0: Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited, about feeding the birds and enjoying nature, right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalist John Schoust and Brian Cunningham.
1: Hey everyone, I'm John Schoust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode number 31, which we're
0: calling, Winging It on Vacation. What do you think, Brian? (laughs) I love it. It's summertime, and I know a lot of people, you know, pandemic is, you know, people are getting out now a bit more. And I hope I hope our listeners, I hope you all are getting out a bit, a bit more. And maybe it's just locally, or maybe you're going farther afield. I know John and I have had some plans. We're getting out a little bit more. So today we want to talk a little bit about finding the joy of birds wherever you are. But we're also going to cover resources to help you find birds wherever you are, especially if you go traveling and some resources to help you identify those birds that you're finding. Right, John? One of the challenges. Yeah, it's, always,
1: it's always good to be able to identify those birds. And, you know, Brian, you and I are both got some uh, vacations planned here soon, so stick around for the fun.
0: Why do we bird? Where do we go? And. Okay, you know, how do we identify the birds there, (laughs) especially if you're going somewhere that you don't live and you're not used to those birds? Because the cool part is birds are everywhere. Anywhere you travel, there are birds.
1: You know, it's funny you should bring that up, Brian, because it it is kind of an interesting thing. You and I have traveled extensively. Uh, You and I have done a lot of trips uh, around the country together leading bird tours. And I know you and I both always amazed that even even though I'm in a different part of the country, there are still some common birds to my backyard birds. There's still mm-hmm. some some carryover, and yet sometimes it takes you a while to actually start. You know, you start hearing the calls, and you think, is that is that really a, a titmouse or whatever it might be? You know, right. And and so it it is. It's just it just takes you out of your comfort zone a little bit and brings a whole new layer of of experience uh, to your birding when you go other places and. And try to find not only your your new birds, but actually keeping on top of your existing birds that you already have seen and, and get to see them in a new location and maybe even with some new behaviors or habitats. So that's kind of cool.
0: Oh, for sure. One of the things I really love about bird watching, and especially when I'm traveling, because no matter where I go, and a lot of times I just love to get out into nature um, and take trips and go see different places. Um, but when those places are chosen, I'm very purposeful to think about, and even to investigate what birds are there that I could expect and try to, um, look them up, maybe get my ear tuned in a little bit to what I might be listening for, but also what should I be looking for when I'm out there? And I know other people have, have a different focus of how they go about it. Like, I know you're a little different than, well, you know, I, for me, I always talk
1: about connections you know when I when I worked in parks and and did programmings for people that visit my park it was always helping them make a a connection to the place a sense of place Mm -hmm. is what we used to call it it makes a connection for me personally when I travel uh, you know and my wife and I love doing the same thing so we're very very fortunate and and so we 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 go to some really cool places but we always have that element of visiting some place or multiple places to seek out birds and nature. And so birding is the avenue, the conduit. And, and you know we can plan like you're saying. You can plan in advance. You can find the really good spots, you know, if you're, I I was telling a story about going to Las Vegas. I've never Mm -hmm. been to Las Vegas. My one trip to Las Vegas, I literally was going to the Grand Canyon, flew into Las Vegas, you know, got a rental car. I drove up and down the the, the strip just to to (laughs) see what it was all about. And then immediately headed to a birding location outside on the east side of Las Vegas. It's an old waterworks plant. So there's water and ponds. Awesome birding you talk about making a connection that most people would never make in right. regards to Las Vegas Water you know it's the, the last desert. thing you would think <laughs> of that you're going to make this great nature connection yeah. to a place like Las Vegas but that one birding hotspot which is which is you know if you go on ebird or you do any kind of little research you're going to find mm-hmm. you know this this is this is what you know to me highlights and 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 deepens my experience when I travel and the other cool thing about it is years later i can go through my life list i can i can look oh, at the yeah. locations or i can go through my <laughs> life list and it's like it's like a a, a photo album I, I literally remember when I saw that first time I ever saw that sp- particular bird and where it was at and what's even cooler, who I was with, whether it was just my wife and I or whether it was a group, whether it was you and I, Brian, doing scouting for oh, yeah. our, our trips we lead together. And so it's just this this whole other layer, multiple layers that add just so much enrichment to, to traveling.
0: Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you mean. And it's so much fun to go back and... If I'm flipping through that life list, eBird is so wonderful as a resource, as a database to enter birds as you see them, whether you're at home or when you're traveling, because then you can always go back and look and it'll show you the first time you ever recorded that bird species. And yeah. for me, that's really fun, like you're saying, because I too, I'll remember where I was, yeah. who I was with, and so many of those, uh, you and I, obviously, with the traveling we have done together to lead bird trips, but My wife is in so many of those memories and my kids are in some of those because my girls, if I ever wanted to chase a a bird I've never seen before and I've hear that it's, it's in our area around home, I would go chase it and I would uh, take my girls with me um, because they would volunteer to go. Um, (laughs) I never really wanted to twist her arm that far, (laughs) but they were the ones that usually helped me find it because we'd review, this is what it's going to sound like. This is what it's going to look like. And those young ears that are very impressionable and <laughs> pick up on learning so much faster. they they were always ones to hear them or see before yeah. I did. Yeah.
1: It's, it's definitely a cool family thing to do too. And, you know, it's not like, again, when my wife and I travel or we travel with some friends, it, we don't just bird, you know, we go to new right. places and we, we love good restaurants
0: oh, and that's we hit some the museums the and you and, find all uh, the cool yeah. places to yeah. eat and hang yeah. out
1: and visit. This yeah. is just a whole nother layer that makes it something yeah. different and special for all of us. So,
0: and the cool thing with the kids was, it's always a scavenger hunt. You just go out <laughs> and chase down one bird, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're looking for. <laughs> what do they? What do they win? <laughs> Actually, <laughs> sometimes I had to bribe them, and we'd go get like gourmet root beers, or we'd we'd go get ice cream afterwards, or something if we found the bird. Just to just celebrate yeah. it and make it make it kind of fun.
1: Well, I know Brian, you're you're one of your. Real motivations for all this too is is your love of sharing all things nature with people, oh, yeah. and and you know we both do that through our leading hikes and that type of thing. And I think one of the cool ones that you and I got a big kick out of was a couple of years <laughs> ago. We we led one of our uh, yeah I think we mentioned a couple of times we have a big gathering of all our owners. Uh, you know there there are over three hundred and fifty wild birds Unlimited store and in the summer. We get them all together in one location and have a a week long meeting to to help them you know serve our customers better and, and teach them all the different things that they need to learn or can learn or new things to help them serve their customers and 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 uh, the birds in our customers backyards better so a couple of years ago, we were in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we got a chance to, to put everybody on a bus and drive north to the area around Grayling, Michigan, which is up about uh, almost to the to the UP, just a little shy of the, uh, getting north far enough in the UP.
0: Yeah, UP being that upper yeah. peninsula, one of my favorite places yeah. on earth. <laughs> yeah, so for
1: the for the sole purpose, you know, among other things, there were other birds, but mm-hmm. the main thing was Kirtland's Warbler. We, uh, you know, yes. most of these people are from the West
0: Coast or from Canada or oh, various yeah. other places. Oh, uh, the Kirtland's Warbler. It. Yeah. What a really, really cool little bird yeah. and how it's been endangered as the population has been declining. And uh, to be able to take the, the stores, the store owners mm-hmm. on that trip to go find that bird. And it's nesting. It's nesting up there. Oh, I was so cool to get out of the buses and <laughs> to, hear to, it. to hear it <laughs> singing. And and the males are generally pretty cropping cooperative because i'll sit at the top of a tree which is generally maybe 20 feet high at the most yeah and sing really loudly yeah
1: well it's very cool because again a lot of people got a chance to see that bird and it's actually i my wife and i were just in michigan last week on vacation and a friend of ours knew we were heading up into that area and he's i've never seen a what if i meet you up there and so he and his wife drove (laughs) up last week and we met him and uh Got them out there and definitely got them on a Kirtland's Warbler. So that was very yeah. cool. And which I want to follow up too. That's a very cool thing on the Kirtland's Warbler. They've been working very hard. It was on the endangered species list. And they've been so successful in bringing that bird back and and, and mm-hmm. targeting the right type of habitat, creating the right type of habitat for nesting, that they've actually got enough numbers and enough breeding population now to, they actually took it off the endangered species list. So it was Woo-hoo. no longer on the on the endangered species list. So a little victory for conservation, right? Yes. There.
0: We, we need all those little victories for conservation, especially bird conservation. So Brian,
1: of all the places you've been, I'm going to put you on the spot here, dude.
0: Uh-oh. Of all You're not sp- going to ask my favorite bird, are you? <laughs>
1: no, well, yeah, yeah. that's, uh, we won't go there. Uh, <laughs> but I will ask where of all your travels has been one of your, I don't know, most exciting, favorite, whatever whatever you want to say, but what? where is the place that you really had the best experience traveling and and seeing birds?
0: Man, that is a really challenging question because there are so many places and so many stories either by myself, but most of the time it's with other people because I got to share the experience with someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, That's not and, much
1: fun <laughs> to see it by yourself, is it? I mean, there's there's times when <laughs> well, it's like, oh, look, is there, there it is. There, oh,
0: there's nobody here. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, exactly. And I had one of those where um, – I was I was in the UP of Michigan Upper Peninsula and I was by myself on a trail just taking a break and from because I was up there for school and there was a pair of great gray owls. Ooh. I had never seen great gray owls. I didn't even know what great gray owls were. I I can still picture looking at that great gray owl sitting in the in the woods on a little trail back behind a cabin where it was those two great grays and they were just super tall, the biggest owls I've ever seen, and they were gray. They weren't brown. <laughs> they, they weren't tan. They weren't black. They were gray with these huge circular faces, these eyes that were just so attentive to everything. And they were just so erect, just standing so tall and straight. There was not a single person around. They're one of our biggest owls in North America. <laughs> and they have the <laughs> deepest like, voice when they talk. <laughs> and I was trying to talk back and forth with them. Because he'd, he'd look at me and go, ooh. And I try to go, oh, and just these monstrous eyes and this big circular face. And they just sat and looked at me like, what are you doing? (laughs) 45 minutes. There was no one around. And and that's why I'm like, how how do you how do you choose? Because one, I guess one of the more cool ones was just last summer. COVID, we have the pandemic. No one's traveling. Everyone's pretty much. We're all hanging out in our house. Yeah, but you could still bird. That was the cool thing about it. You
1: could still yeah, travel to bird because you're exactly. going to places by yourself or with, the, you know, your wife and and family, whoever it might so be. So yeah, we
0: had a trip with the Venturing Scouts, which is scouting for boys and girls, 14 to 21, and we were going to go to the Boundary Waters. And with that kind of getting shut down, if scouts weren't traveling, um, my family and one other family, we had the permits. We're like, let's just go. We, we hung out for the beginning of the summer outdoors practicing paddle techniques and getting them trained. And then we went and it was so amazing to not, you know, when you go to the boundary waters, which is the boundary waters, canoe wilderness area, it's in Northern Minnesota, butts up against the Canadian border on the Canadian side, they call it Quetico, Um, (laughs) but it's still the same habitats. You have common loons on the water. I know one of, I know one of your favorite birds ever. Yeah, absolutely. Man. If you, yeah, yeah but they're, they're 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 talking and doing that quiet little whale that they do. But what was really, I, I I'm not sure I would call. <laughs> well, it quiet. this is true. <laughs> but we had we had a couple of really amazing experiences with birds. Um, on the we camped on this one little island for a couple of nights and. I think when, you know, I could pontificate on so many different really cool experiences with the, the nesting birds that were wow. on that island. But one of those other neat things was that the people I was with don't really know birds, but there's this backyard bird called a white-throated sparrow. And they come down into, um, into the United States in wintertime, and they nest further north, like <laughs> northern states and in Canada during the summer. Yeah, we had it's them, really, we had them
1: in Michigan last week.
0: Oh, yeah. they're so cool. Yeah. They sang and they sang and they sang every day. And so much so that everyone's like there it is again. What was that bird again? <laughs> and so I'm teaching them. I'm oh, like, it's it, a beautiful song. It's okay, a beautiful song and I love what it says because it helps you remember where they come from because oh, sweet sing. Canada, Canada, Canada. Yeah. Oh, sweet Canada, Canada, Canada. And it's, they they started learning that song because they kept hearing over and over and over well this spring right before the white-throated sparrows went back to canada uh, that family caught up with me and they said hey we were hearing that bird from the boundary waters and when it was that oh sweet canada bird what was the name of that thing again but how cool is that that they were able to connect with a bird that does show up in our backyards And it was just so much fun to be able to share those really neat times and and help people learn about birds. And they weren't even at home. But then when they came home, (laughs) the birds showed up. I I think
1: that's again, it's just those experiences. It's that depth of connection to that Mm -hmm. to that location, that place that I think that's uh, one of the absolute benefits of including birding and looking for birds wherever you travel and, and oh, yeah. uh, adding those you know to your to your life list if you will not everybody keeps a life list but you know it's just neat mm-hmm. to experience new and different birds and some of them are so i mean you and i've seen some way cool way cool birds and and uh, you know we've been to texas and had a uh peekaboo session with a, a roadrunner, you <laughs> right. know, uh, just on and on and on. We've, we've had some really cool sessions.
0: So John, great question that you asking me about, you know, favorite trip or experience. So I got to know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pitch it back to you, buddy. I, you have gone so many amazing places and specifically for birding a lot of times. So, you know, Tell us what what's one of those really stand out just you'll always remember.
1: Oh gosh, Brian, Brian, <laughs> Brian! I, I'm in the same location, same place you were a few minutes ago, gemini it, it is so hard. Uh, something that pops into mind was a totally, totally serendipitous experience. Totally, we had been down in the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, uh, my wife and I had made a trip, and it was strictly to bird. We were we were there to go to Santa Ana National Wildlife Refuge and. There's just the dozens of great birding locations and unbelievable birds that are showing up in the Rio Grande Valley. and So that's a that whole
0: Texas yeah, area. Right? Yeah,
1: it's a whole unique set of birds that don't come very far into the U.S., don't get much farther north than the Rio Grande. We were on our way back, and we were flying back on Easter. We were there for a spring trip, and we were flying back on Easter. And we got into Houston, and our plane was canceled. And the airline gave us a, you know, meal for that night and a hotel room. And it was like 3.30 in the afternoon. And I pulled up my eBird app and immediately started looking at birding locations. I know it's sick. Of course you bird. about birds. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I pull up my e. We're stuck. What are you going to do? Let's go birding. So I pull up the eBird app and there's a place called Bolivar Flats. It's 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 off mm-hmm. of Galveston. There's an island off of Galveston that it's on. And it's a, it's a, oh gosh, I don't remember the Audubon Society that owns it. Unbelievable. So Lisa and I literally get on my, my rental car app and get a car rented. And we, we run to the hotel and throw our stuff in and, and get the rental car. And we take off for, for this boulevard our flats, the shorebirds, the ocean, the pelagic birds, the stuff that was there, totally unexpected, totally serendipitous unbelievable one of the most incredible birding experiences just out of the blue wasn't part of the plan just literally tripped over our own toes to to make it happen and yet it we spent probably three or four hours until dark on that on that coast just looking i mean american avocets which is a gorgeous bird to begin with Mm -hmm. they literally get thousands two or three thousand and they're out in the shallow water in a big huge circle but Bottom line, it was an amazing experience and, and totally unexpected, totally out of the blue. So that was probably one of the coolest things that's ever happened. And again, just just thinking, okay, we're stuck. What are we going to do?
0: Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. pull
1: up that eBird <laughs> app. Let's look at locations. Not one too far away from here. Let's grab a car and go. And we did. And it was awesome.
0: awesome. That's fabulous. I love that story. So. John, one of my favorite experiences though, in Texas was with you. And you had what's called a nemesis bird. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My painted bunny. <laughs> yeah. And people are like, yeah, the nemesis bird. What in the world is that? Yeah. Uh, you want to you tell them a little bit about the nemesis? Well, yeah, that was a very
1: cool. Again, <laughs> you talk about just one of those weird things. As you expand your birding and you start seeking birds and, and going places, in some cases specifically, to find certain birds or groups of birds, uh, it, it never fails you miss one every time for whatever reason it should be there you know it's there you <laughs> go in the right location you you're in there. the right habitat and whatever your luck is just not good that day and you miss it and eventually you'd like to think you're gonna catch it and and sooner or later though after you miss it three or four times when you should have gotten that bird mm-hmm. We kind of start calling that a nemesis bird. And the painted bunting, which I I wish I could show everybody a picture. This bird is so brilliant and beautiful. It has reds and lime greens, vivid, vivid green and blue and purple. It looks like something out of a comic book or something. I mean, it's just (laughs) so amazing. And I miss this sucker every place I went. And I just look at you and go, this thing's so Colorful. How do you miss this thing? Well, and, and you and I, you and I scouted, we were at uh, Mitchell Lake
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Audubon Center outside of San Antonio. And, and uh, y- even when we scouted, it should have been there. And I didn't get the been bird. there. <laughs> it was like, what? And we, finally, we scouted we're out for there. a few days
0: and yeah. you missed it for at least yeah. two days. Yeah.
1: And finally, we were out there leading the, the tour. And that bird showed up. And man, I think I just about went crazy.
0: Got yeah, great yeah. views of it. <laughs> Which was really fun to see. Yeah. yeah <laughs> the excitement of someone who's seen so many birds. <laughs> it was like it was your first bird ever and you're like yeah, That's yeah, so awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you know, it's, it's and it's so classic because after this is often the case with a nemesis bird, when you finally see it that first time, <laughs> then you see it all these other places <laughs> you go to. It's like, Wow, yes. how many times have you and I seen that bird since that oh. experience there at Ventral Lake? So yeah. Yeah. Innumerable. All right. Well, we talked, I think, hopefully, hopefully we've made the case that uh, if you're not including some bird watching in your travels and your vacation plans, Mm -hmm. think about it. Consider it. Uh, So, Brian, let's actually give a few extra moments uh, to helping people find the tools and use the tools to find the birds where Mm -hmm. they would be traveling, uh,
0: hopefully this summer. So let me throw out three tools because I think these resources are fantastic and uh, pretty much, you know, with smartphones and tablets anymore. These, there are three apps that work really, really well. Um, at, but the first one would be eBird because you can get online and do that, whether at home or out in the field. And eBird is a great resource. We've talked about it a number of times on different podcasts. Um, in fact, we even Um, dedicated episode 19 to a lot of different resources. And eBird, we talked a lot about that Um, because it'll help you. If you know you're going to travel somewhere, you can look up on eBird what birds to expect there. And then beyond that, Merlin is another great app because Merlin will help you identify the birds that you're seeing, whether by a photo or you punch in a few answers. And maybe it's by color couple of colors that you see and here's where I am and Merlin will pop up the most likely possibilities and then you can scroll through and it really helps you start to learn those birds but John I know you and I've been playing around with another one called BirdNet.
1: BirdNet's very cool yeah (laughs) yeah
0: believe it or not
1: through your phone through the microphone on your phone if you hear a bird song that you do not recognize you can actually bring up BirdNet app and you can hit the record button and it will record that song and then you send it to get analyzed and you send it just by hitting
0: yeah id this bird yeah
1: yeah, (laughs) you just hit a button and it sends it and it gets analyzed and sent back and usually it's just a matter honestly like four or five seconds Mm -hmm. maybe ten at the most and it while it's not 100% 100% perfect, as you can imagine. That's a really tough thing to ask anything to do is separate all these birds and, you know, <laughs> right. come up with a... But some I of these have birds been, have
0: different dialects and yeah, so on, but still.
1: I have been yeah. amazed at how many birds it does get and, and gets them correctly. So that's a very cool thing when you're in new area and you hear bird songs and you yep. don't know what you're hearing. To do bird net, it will actually help you identify some birds that you didn't know were there.
0: Yeah, so I'd say those are our top 3 resources and the coolest part is you can use them in your own backyard too. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> to help you identify birds Absolutely. so whether you're traveling or not, they are great resources. All right, Brian, I don't know about you, but
1: I'm ready to boogie. I'm ready to get out here and go on vacation. I'm oh, actually heading field, in a couple man. of weeks. I'm heading down to the uh, southeast Arizona, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite places to go birding. All kinds of mm. 10 yeah. species of hummingbirds. Unbelievable. trogons, all kinds of cool things. So I'm ready to get out of here. So
0: Oh, I bet. And I'm heading to the U.P. I'm going back go. to the Upper peninsula this summer I can't wait to look yeah, there.
1: yeah I'm going to bird that bounty waters in September so I'll oh, be dude. I'll be up there with where, where you were
0: last summer so I'll I'm excited cool. for you all right and I, and I hope everyone else getting out there go try to get out and and try to look up some birds yeah see what birds might be where you are going or maybe look up some birds and and make up a trip to go see those birds but but don't forget to have fun while you're there look up some great restaurants and local eateries and maybe some other things to see, but really appreciate y'all joining us for our episode today on winging it on vacation. <laughs> and I hope that's exactly what you're going to do. And yeah, if you, if you like this episode or any of our other episodes, please rate and review us. And definitely we want to hear those reviews. We'd love to read about those. Absolutely,
1: Brian. And hope everybody can join us next time where we're going to talk about refresh and re all about birds, feathers, and how, Important they are and how they work and how they grow them and everything you ever wanted to know about feathers. So, until then, we're just going to continue to let nature be our guide. So, please, if you do travel, be safe, be careful, and take care.
0: Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast for show notes or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, Visit wbu.com slash podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered.